Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So um, we are in the second last week of Nehemiah. Some of you might be thinking, praise the Lord. (laughs) Only one more week to go. Some of you thinking, I can't believe it's about to end. So let's pray and let's jump straight into it. Heavenly Father, we love you. Oh, we love you so much, Lord. Thank you for winter. I personally thank you from the bottom of my heart for winter, Lord. And uh, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful facility that we get to meet in, Lord. We thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. And uh, Lord, we we say, who are we, Lord, that we could just come without any fear of um, anything going on with uh, authorities, but we get to freely worship you. And Lord, we don't want to take that for granted this morning. We want to thank you that we all have a copy of your word that we can freely access, Lord. And Lord, that we look into it and, and glean from it, Lord, and, and you speak to us through it. So Lord, we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as you know, we generally, we look through a text uh, in the chapel, then we we have a short discussion around our tables if you want to around it and then also we have um, this is the second last week so when we hit into June we've got four hot Sundays with guest speakers so we won't be working through a book during June uh, and so just just to make aware of that okay Nehemiah quick recap he heard about the ruin of the walls Uh, It moved him, he prayed, he confessed his sin, he made a plan, he went to the king, he got resource, he came back, he he got strategy, he went and visited, he cast vision, he got to work, he endured endured opposition without, he endured opposition within, then he endured opposition without again, but he got it done. The walls were rebuilt, the gates were hung and everything complete. Ezra brought into the community the centrality of scripture, Um, they had a huge festival, And then they had what everyone around here loves, a six-hour service. (laughs) Everyone loves it. Three hours straight of reading the Word and then three hours straight of confessing sin. Uh, We're having one of those just straight after here. If you want to hang around, that'd be awesome. But the fact is, is that, you know, people stayed for that. They didn't just have the feast and go home. They stayed for the second part. Um, And so that's very, um, very good to do. Then they prayed a prayer. And this prayer, if you want to read it, in Nehemiah chapter 9, gave the whole of Judaic history. And it basically went from creation. It started with creation and magnified God for his awesome creation. And then it talked about about Abram being called out. And then it talked about slavery in Egypt. And then it talked about the miraculous exodus out of Egypt. And then it talked about the covenant that was made and wandering in the wilderness, taking possession of all the lands around, of, of the times of the judges, of them submitting to God and then rebelling against God and submitting to God and rebelling against God and then ushering in the monarchy where they turned completely against God and got brought into exile. And uh, it finished with verse 38 of chapter 9. The people responded, in view of all this, or it could also be translated as in spite of all this, we are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing. On this sealed document are the names of our leaders and lights and priests. Chapter 10, verse 1. The document was ratified and sealed with the following names. And for the next 27 verses, it gives a bunch of names. And if you love lists, I encourage you to go home and read it. But essentially, it's the governor, Nehemiah, there's three categories, and there's the priests, then there's the Levites, which is a tribe 
and then it's the chiefs of all the families. So essentially you've got 21 priestly names, 15 of family names, um, and, and we read about them in chapter 12 as well. If you're wondering why Ezra's name doesn't appear there, Ezra was part of the Savariah family. I know that many of you were just like wondering, where on earth is Ezra's name in this? But he's part of a family in there. And, uh, and then you can read about it in the, in the um, book of 1 Chronicles chapter 6. Then there's 17 Levite names, 44 chief names. Now we're going to go down to verse 28. Verse 28 says, The rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves. Mikey, I hold it down. Is that right? Just stop popping. Okay, I'm holding it down, everybody. So that I don't pop. Okay. Um, uh, And all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. So it's not just the chief of the tribes. It's not just the tribes' leaders. It's every single person, every single person old enough to understand. I just love this. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago with them taking responsibility for bringing their children up in the way of the Lord. They didn't send them off to Sunday school and hope for the best. You know, my kids um, never did craft with me. I figured that was preschool's job, to do craft. I negated all responsibility to do craft with my children. But in in the scriptures here, what it says is that when Ezra explained the scriptures... Then the next day, the family leaders went to Ezra, had it explained to them so that they might be able to explain it to their children more fully. And here, the result of that is that everyone old enough to understand joins in the covenant. And that's the aim of getting everyone to take responsibility for their faith. They they then are able to join with a covenant, join with an oath. Now, it does say they made a solemn promise. But to make here is the, the verb to cut. So actually, it's a covenant that they're making here. It's a covenant promise. It's a really serious promise. And and it says here, next, it says, verse 29, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. We talked about that last week where Abraham made a covenant and he cut the animals and, and, and God himself walked through it as Abraham was in a dream. And he made that covenant with, with Abraham and said, may what has happened to these animals happen to me if I don't keep my covenant with you. Now, God did keep his covenant with Abraham, but he also cut himself by going to the cross and still let happen to him what had happened to those animals. Any animal lovers in the house? I'm really sorry about that verse. <laughs> they solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations and decrees of the Lord, our Lord, Yahweh. Now, these are the promises that they make. Verse 30, we promise not to let our daughters marry the pagan people of the land and not to let our sons marry their daughters. Now, interesting verse for our cultural context today, but remember that this is in a time, this is not about racism, it's not about race, it's about religion. It was about, if it was about race, then the people of Judah, a people of Bethlehem would never have accepted Ruth, the Moabite S. But because she'd changed her religion to worship Yahweh, she was fully integrated into that community. So it's not about them being racist to the people around them. It's about not letting them be um, swayed by culture. For example, one of the people that made them go into exile or started the downward spiral was King Solomon. 
King Solomon who had 100 wives and 700 concubines, the wisest man who ever lived, proving that he was not thinking with his head. And, and so he was 700 concubines, 300 wives. And what the Bible says is that they turned his heart towards these other gods, starting the downward. We had King David, this amazing king whose heart was after God and was after God's own heart. And, and, and then we have King Solomon, his son, who through obvious problem, his heart is turned away completely and, and the nation goes into a downward spiral with, with glimpses of hope every now and then with a godly king that's raised up. So they're saying now, we see what's gone wrong and we promise not to intermarry because we can see that that causes problems. Now, Paul reiterates this in the New Testament, if you're wondering if that's just an Old Testament thing. Paul actually reiterates it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where he says, don't be yoked, in verse 4, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? And he goes on to say, how can there be harmony between those who love God and those who don't? Now, you might be thinking of someone that you know is a Christian and married a non-Christian. You're thinking, oh, that's a bit harsh, Bron. I reckon they're thinking, let me stand up and let me preach. I'll tell you how difficult it is. It's so difficult. I know so many people personally who have said to me, you know what? I love my husband or I love my wife, but it is so hard being married to someone with a completely different worldview to me. It's hard for our children. It's hard for us to be on the same page about so many decisions. Um, my own mother-in-law, wonderful, beautiful woman of God, found it so hard even in finances to, to make decisions because her husband was not a believer and now is, praise God. But it is difficult. It is, it is hard. And so that's why it's important. Not because of racism, not because of elitism, nothing like that, but just it's so important to be on the same page when you partner yourself to somebody. So this covenant language, we promise not to let um, our daughters marry the pagan people and not to let our sons marry the pagan people. Verse 31, next promise. We also promise that if the people of the land should bring any merchandise or grain to be sold on the Sabbath or on any other holy day, we will refuse to buy it. What was happening there was they were kind of letting themselves off the hook with the Sabbath rules. And well, those people aren't Jews and, and they, they're not holders of the covenant and they've not made the promise. So we'll buy from them. We're not going to sell. Like we'll let ourselves off. The, we won't sell on the Sabbath, but we'll buy on the Sabbath. You know what? That's not the spirit of what the Sabbath was all about. The Sabbath was about rest and the Sabbath was about trusting God and that we won't trade at all because we're going to believe that God will take care of our needs. As we honour Him, He's going to provide for us in the midst of what we're doing. Um, I don't know if you've ever done it in your life. Oh, I'm not going to work today. I've just got to do these 16 emails and then I'm not going to work today. Like how much of a pull is work to our lives? I've just got to check this. Oh, my phone just dinged. And there's this constant vying for our attention, taking us away from rest. I ask you the question, when you constantly have to work, maybe it's just distraction, but is there something in you that suggests that you have to take care of yourself? that you have to chase that or you can't leave that too long and, and you're looking after yourself rather than resting and doing the God-ordained thing of rest and trusting that He's going to provide for all your needs. Every seventh year, it says, we will let our land rest and we will cancel all debts owed to us. That was a God-ordained instruction for the land. And if you want to see the, the wisdom in that, 
Watch David Attenborough, who I still have absolutely no clue how that man is an atheist that he's seen, but his latest documentary, um, something like The Year the World Stopped or something like that, Bucky's told me about it, and it's just how much our world has reset during COVID because we haven't been able to do the things that we usually do and how the land has healed itself. Well, God ordained that right back at the start, that, that the land would heal itself, crop rotation, and that it would let the land rest and lie fallow. But again, what's with us not doing that? It's because we can get more yield. We can get more gain from that. And rather than trust God and let Him do his, what only He can do, we trust ourselves and and put him out of the picture. So they're saying, we'll do it, God, we'll do it. And we'll cancel all the debts owed to us every seventh year. Did you hear that the Commonwealth Bank's about to implement that? That every seventh year, this is going to cancel all debts. You're laughing. Of course you're laughing because they're greedy. They're not going to do that. And then they would never, ever do that. This would take epic trust in God, wouldn't it? But imagine the reset for the whole community. Imagine the opportunity that you're giving them. People who'd made awful decisions and were bound in debt and you're giving them this grace to show the grace of God. It would be this incredible reset. Would people take advantage of it? Of course they would. But God was saying, trust me. Let me show you that I'll take care of you if you'll just trust me. Next promise. In addition, verse 32, we promise to obey the command to pay the annual temple tax of one eighth of an ounce of silver for the care of the temple of our God. This will provide for the bread of the presence, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths, the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals for the holy offerings and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel. It will provide for everything necessary for the work of the temple of our God. So they're taking ownership back of the temple of God. We have cast sacred lots to determine when, at regular times each year, the families of the priests, Levites and the common people should bring wood to God's temple to be burned on the altar of the Lord our God, as is written in the law. A vital practice was making sacrifice back then. And and people just stopped cutting wood for it. So like, okay, we'll cast lots for that. So... We've got um, like dice on all of your tables and uh, we're just like, you just got to roll it and we're just going to allocate you to kids' church, um, progen, just a few things around here that need to be done. So if you could just go ahead and we'll write your name down. Okay, we won't <laughs> due to the lack of enthusiasm in the room. Okay. <laughs> Verse 35, we promise to bring the first part of every harvest to the Lord's temple year after year, whether it be a crop from the soil or from our fruit trees. We agree to give God our eldest sons and the firstborn of all our herds and flocks as prescribed in the law. Just a note on that because that would seem weird, is that in Egypt, um, God spared all the firstborn of every animal and uh, son that had the blood painted on the doorstep. The angel of death passed over. This is the, the Judaism story and, um, and history. And so then what happened was that they were in the desert and, and God said, well, the, all the firstborn are mine. You, you have to dedicate them to me. But when they're in the desert, Moses was up on the mountain and the people cried out and said, we want a God like all the nations around us, you know, like a one that we take, one that we can see, one that we can touch. We, 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 we want something that, you know, we can worship and dance before. And so Moses said, well, give me all your gold and your earrings and your nose rings and your belly button rings. And he melted it all down and, and, and then fashioned it into a cow and said, look, this has come from the fire, worship this. And so they started to worship. But the Levites, the tribe of the Levites, they didn't get involved in that worship. So at that point, God set the Levites apart to be his people that would serve him in the temple. And he said, more for the firstborn. 
And so what the people did, they redeemed the firstborn. So they would go and they would pay the temple to redeem the firstborn. Um, This is actually still done in Jewish um, circles, in Jewish community. You have to pay, um, well, not now. I don't know what a shekel is now. Grant, you're a teacher. Can you please quickly do the maths? Okay, good, thank you. Um, Five shekels of silver if they're one month. But if you get to 13, you have to rid self. If you get to, is it bar mitzvah that happens at 13? Dave, your Jewish friends, yep. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you have to then redeem yourself. It's a bit like Lockie needs braces, um, but I'm just waiting till he gets old enough to pay for them himself. And so um, you just look after yourself. Um, but it, it, it's, it's this tradition of whatever opens the womb is what happens, and, and so that's what the Jewish people still do today. Um, essentially what's happening here. They're saying, we're going to give you, Lord, we're going to go back to giving you our first and our best. We're no longer going to give you our leftovers if we feel like it. We're no longer going to ignore you and just look after ourselves. God, you are almighty. You have given us life. You've provided everything for us. So from here on in, we give you our first and we give you our best. And we're making this in community covenant promise to you, Lord. Um, Goes on to talk about tithes, um, the tithes of the tithes. And last verse of chapter 10 says this, we promise together not to neglect the temple of our God. We promise together not to neglect the temple of our God. Now I thought I was going to get it through a whole lot more than I did in my time. So I'll stop there. But let me just say, they promise together not to neglect the temple of our God. The Bible says in the New Testament, do you not know that you yourselves are the temple of the Holy Spirit. With Jesus Christ as our cornerstone, that we are living stones fit together, built up to Him. That we all are part of this temple. You, me, we, us. That we are now, we're not going to a temple. We've got a great facility. I just thank God for it. But this is not the temple of the living God. You, yourselves and me and us together are the temple of the living God. And so us taking ownership of this is us loving each other, us loving for and caring for each other. If I see you on your own, I go and talk to you. If I see that you're down, I go and lift you up. If I see that there's a GoFundMe because you're a single mum with brain aneurysms, I donate to that page and I look after you. If I see that you've gone down to Newcastle and you're on your own, I go down with you. Whatever I can do to help lift you up, we are the temple of the living God. So we, we get together and we are fit together and we are joint together. And that is who we are now. Amen. Got a little bit excited. That's the end of that. And, um, and we'll go on with ver- chapter 11 next week and finish it off into chapter 12. I've just got to tell you one thing, so alert. It's a devastating finish to this book. It's a devastating finish. Nehemiah and Ezra have done amazing things and, and the Word of God has impacted them. But it doesn't last. And they go back to their own old ways very quickly. And so church, I just want to encourage us as the Word of God does its work, let it be fruit that remains in our hearts. Let us diligently guard it. We've been given wonderful leadership and we've got the Word of God in our hands. Let's ensure that it does its work in hearts in Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.